like that. You oh my that. goodness. Oh my good lord. We are back. Hello, everybody. And I haven't said this in a long ass time, but welcome back, everybody, to the Logan Blackman Show. Give yourself a round of applause. Oh my god, we have made it back. This is the very first episode, and I, I cannot believe I'm saying this. I really cannot believe that I'm <laughs> that I'm coming out here and saying this is the last episode or the first episode since May 6th. May 6th, over two months ago, was the last time we recorded the Logan Blackman Show episode. And I know back on May 6th or like around that time period, I took like a little break from the Logan Blackman Show. That one was intentional. I was feeling burnt out. I wasn't feeling like the show was doing very well at the time. So I was like, yeah, you know what? I I need to take a little break. I was not completely finished with the show. I never will be, but that needed a break. And then (laughs) I recorded three straight episodes, May 2nd, 4th, and 6th. And then went in an extremely weird funk that I can't really explain for, uh, for about a month and a half. And I know it's been more than a month or more than two months since the last episode, but I told myself that when I got out of the weird funk that I was going to wait till after I got back from Montana, me and my friend Tom went up to visit our other friend Johnny up in Montana, and I was like, well, wait till after that, so then I'm not recording a show, and then going, oh, but actually, I know I took a long-ass break, here's another break, a 10-day break, (laughs) maybe two weeks, just 14 days, because I don't know if I would record middle of the week, we got back on a Tuesday, I don't know if I was going to record that week anyway. So I was like, we'll just wait till after Montana. So though it's been a very, very long time since the last Logan Blackman Show episode, I hope that we have not lost the flow of things. Because sometimes, and I realized this when I was up at UNI, because even at William Penn, when I hosted a show at school, before we had the whole podcast situation, because before the podcast, it was a live radio show. At William Penn, it was broadcast to like, just a five-mile radius of the antenna, which eventually got knocked over at William Penner, got damaged or something. And then at UNI, we had, like, the online stuff, but I didn't do anything over the summer. When I wasn't recording a show, that was it. I wasn't recording a show. So I would go months at a time without recording anything, and then you get really weird stretches of, wow, I'm kind of out of the flow of this. I'm not used to doing this. But I'm hoping that it hasn't been so long (laughs) to where I completely forget how to do this. And there's been a lot of stuff, a whole lot of stuff that has been going on in the sporting world since the last time we recorded an episode. So it's been like an itch for me to to start recording a show again. But again, I I had willpower. I told myself that I was not going to record until after I got back from Montana. And we are back from Montana. It is July 17th. 18th for you guys listening to the show, and since we have not said this in a while, make sure you are following the Logan Blackman Show on all forms of social media. Twitter is Logan underscore Blackman. Instagram is Blackman Logan. That's the personal account. The Logan Blackman Show one is the Instagram, the show's Instagram account. The Logan Blackman Show on Facebook. Just make sure you're following or give it a like as well. Subscribe to the YouTube channels as well, and make sure, of course, you are subscribed to the Apple Podcasts and Spotify accounts because that is where you are going to listen to the Logan Blackman Show. Okay. Okay, so we got all the housekeeping stuff out of the way. Again, I apologize sincerely for missing as long as I did, and I'm going to scroll all the way back to when the last thing I recorded, or just the last, <laughs> the, what I, where, where, where's the first picture that I have? So that was in June. Oh, my God, that was a month ago, that picture. 
I want to try and find the last thing I screenshotted before I went on break. Again, the un <laughs> the unplanned break. And there's nothing really there. There like May, as far as I can remember, as far as I can recall, not a lot of stuff went down in May, but June was <laughs> June was crazy. And July has been crazy as well. Every single thing in the sporting world has been going crazy. And the main thing that I kind of want to discuss first has been one of the bigger offseason stories so far, if not the biggest one. And it, it, it was in last offseason as well in regards to the NFL. And we're talking about a specific quarterback here by the name of Deshaun Watson. Now, for those of you who are completely unaware of the situation, Deshaun Watson was a former first-round draft pick by the Houston Texans, 12th overall pick by the Houston Texans, put up career numbers in his last year in Houston with little to no help around him, with the Texans having little to no draft picks to help re-strengthen the team. And then we had a whole thing of like the fans out there saying, like, oh, he signed the contract, he knew it was going to happen. But then there's also the contingent that was, oh, they didn't tell him this was going to happen. They didn't tell him they were going to trade DeAndre Hopkins for David Johnson. They didn't tell him they were going to trade picks they received in the DeAndre Hopkins trade to the Rams for Brandon Cooks, who was thinking about retiring just the offseason prior. Or that, that offseason, when they traded for him. He was thinking about retiring that offseason. So there was just a lot of stuff. J.J. Watt left as well. There was just a lot of things that went wrong with the Houston Texas organization. And then after that record-setting year for Deshaun Watson in regards to personal records, he said basically that I'm done with this organization. I want to get traded. And the Texans, front office, Jack Easterby, the McNairs, all these people are very strange, <laughs> very strange individuals, a very strange organization. They fired Bill O'Brien, rightfully so, get him done, dusted. And I think Romeo Cronell came in as the interim head coach for a little bit. And Deshaun won that final however many games of the season once Bill O'Brien got fired and became the office coordinator at Alabama. And then they hired... They went through a whole rang, rank of coaches. Okay, there was a lot of coaches being looked at for this Houston Texans job. And they hired David Culley, wide receivers coach for the Baltimore Ravens. The only reason he got that job was because nobody wanted it. Not a single soul in the NFL wanted it. David Culley was literally set up to fail because Deshaun Watson was going to opt out of the season. And when he announced he was opting out, then came all this sexual assault allegations with the massage parlors. A lot of allegations. And it started off with just a few of them. And then we fast forward to now, we're upwards to like 24 or 26 sexual assault allegations against Deshaun Watson, who before this was seen as one of the most likable quarterbacks in the NFL. And I'm sure there's a lot of people out there that still are rooting for Deshaun Watson. And he's going to play, regardless of what you think about him or how bad of the situation that he's in, he's going to play again. He's going to play again. But the thing that's weird about this whole situation, not the fact that he's going to play again, he sat out a whole year. Okay, sat out. He did not get suspended. So now that he is going to play, the suspension talk is going to be ramping up here. But Logan, I thought you said he'd never play for the Houston, Texas organization ever again. Well, that is correct. Because some douchebags up in Cleveland were like, you know what, we're going to be in for Deshaun Watson. And in normal circumstances, yes, go in for Deshaun Watson. Deshaun Watson, when he is on, which is very often, on the football field, we're talking about the football field here, 
When he's on, he is a top 10 quarterback easily in the NFL. Might be teetering on top five when he is ex- when he's completely on. Range is somewhere between when he is on from the eight to five range, probably. Five to eight range. Not this. Normally, you would trade that stuff for a quarterback as good as Deshaun Watson. It's the situation off the field that makes him damn near impossible to trade for. In teams like the Dolphins, teams like the Panthers, teams like the Falcons, for whatever reason, the Saints, we're all linked to them. The 49ers, the Broncos for a tiny bit. We're linked to Deshaun Watson. And he wanted to play for a warm weather climate, but he also wanted to win. And when the Falcons are one of your final teams who may very well be one of the worst teams in the NFL next season, yes, they play in a warm climate. Yes, they play in a dome. But uh, you ain't going to win. You're pretty much putting yourself in the exact same situation you just tried to get yourself out of, except they're in a worse situation now than what the Houston Texans are now. And Cleveland sent a crap ton of things to the Houston Texans for Deshaun Watson. And this is all coming off of... So they came... Here's the funny... This is where it gets kind of funny. The Cleveland Browns come in and say, hey, we're in for Deshaun Watson. Baker Mayfield comes out and says, hey, um, I would like some transparency here. Uh, you did not come out and tell me that you were looking for Deshaun Watson. You didn't, you didn't tell me nothing. So I would like to request a trade. And then, uh, then it was revealed that the Deshaun Watson, he wanted a warm leather, warm weather team. So the Browns like, yeah, we're out. Baker, being blindsided by the Browns, rightfully goes, you know what? I still want to trade. And the Browns like, no, 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 no. This is an open relationship in one way. Open relationship in one direction. <laughs> you, We are the open ones here. You get to stay home in the house and do nothing. You are, you are loyal to me. I am not loyal to you. And then the Browns are like, yeah, we're out of Deshaun Watson. And then it felt like the next day Deshaun Watson is getting traded to the Cleveland Browns. The next day. And Baker Mayfield rightfully pissed off with the whole situation. Now, this is kind of getting misconstrued by a lot of people out there. I shouldn't say a lot of people, a few people out there. And we've talked about this quite a bit on the show. Baker Mayfield versus Deshaun Watson on normal circumstances is not even a competition. Deshaun Watson is levels, and I mean levels, levels above Baker Mayfield on normal-ass circumstances. But right now, he's not. (laughs) Baker, to my knowledge, has no off-the-field issues. Now, there could be stuff going on in the weeds somewhere that we don't really know about, but... And I understand, I understand the whole thing about, now I've brought this up a thousand times, it's the most important thing for an NFL quarterback. The relationship with the GM and the head coach that drafted you. The GM and head coach that drafted Baker Mayfield, John Dorsey and Hugh Jackson are gone. Kevin Stefanski has made it pretty vocal that he does not really rate Baker Mayfield that highly. And Andrew Barry, the GM, has no relationship with Baker Mayfield either. And Baker Mayfield put forth Arguably his worst season of his career last season. Now, I understand completely he's playing hurt. I commend Baker for playing hurt. I do. But when you're that hurt, where you tore your shoulder up, your left shoulder, granted, but it's still very valuable when you're throwing a football. There's a lot of torque that goes into your opposite shoulder when you're throwing the football. When you've torn your shoulder up, slightly heal, and then tear it again, you should probably sit out. Because at that point, 
you cannot sit there and say Case Keenum is a worse quarterback than Baker Mayfield. And Baker Mayfield, I'm sorry. I know he wants to be him. He is not Brett Favre. He does not do the same things Brett Favre can do. Brett Favre played through numerous injuries and played at a normal level. Baker Mayfield is not Brett Favre. Baker Mayfield's normal level is Brett Favre's very injured level. And not, Brett Favre is one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. He, Baker Mayfield is not that. And Baker Mayfield's been romanticized because he got the Browns to the playoffs for the first time in over a decade and was seen as the face of the franchise. He had numerous head coaches, numerous offensive systems, all that stuff. But the team, the Browns were, Baker was easily the, I don't really like wording it like this, but he was the weak link on the offense pretty much. Like the offense was built around Baker's flaws. It was. Like they had the number one rushing attack in the NFL in regards to a one-two running back duo and the best offensive line in football. They built an insane offensive line. They had two pass-catching tight ends. Now, the receivers were questionable. I will give you that. But the Browns are a run-first offense. Kevin Stefanski is a run-first offensive-minded coach. They're going to run the football. And all they need Baker to do is not screw it up. And last year, since he was playing through injury, couldn't help but screw things up. So the fact that Baker's not getting paid that high level that, like, Josh Allen and Lamar Jackson soon to get paid... He's just that one, he's, he's a quarterback you win with, not a quarterback you win because of. Does that make sense? Like, I think quarterbacks you win because of, like Aaron Rodgers, Mahomes, Allen, Brady, Herbert, Burrow, those guys. You win because of those guys. You don't win because of Baker Mayfield. You win with Baker Mayfield. But when he's not performing to the level that you are expecting him, which is not a very high level, <laughs> given the rest of the offense, you're going to make a move. But then how much you gave up versus the back, the behind-the-back stuff. And it's a business. And I'm sure Baker understands the business. He's a very fiery guy. But I can understand where he's coming from. We're being upset. And I can see where a lot of Cleveland Browns fans are upset given the situation with Deshaun Watson and his current off-the-field issues. But I thought it would have been really, really funny, <laughs> like hilariously funny, Given how Baker Mayfield has been a, a subject of controversy throughout his entire football career, dating back to college, like I would not have been surprised at all if that dude just showed up to OTAs with Deshaun Watson there and just made things awkward as hell. Wouldn't that just have been hilarious if Baker Mayfield just waltzing, waltzing up to practice and Stefanski's there and he's like, uh, Baker, um, Deshaun's taking these reps. He's like, yeah, okay. Like, just walk up. Don't even say anything. Just go up and go under center. Go under J.C. Treader. Go, go try to take some snaps from him. See what happens. That would force a trade a lot faster than what it did, and Baker Mayfield ultimately got traded to the Carolina Panthers, which was the most logical fit for him this offseason. The Panthers quarterback room. I have no idea what to make of that quarterback room. It's Baker Mayfield. Sam Darnold was drafted two picks after Baker Mayfield in 2018. And Matt Corral, who the Panthers got in the third round, which I never thought they had a shot in who I never thought they had a shot in getting when this past year's draft started. Because the Panthers had a first round pick and a fourth round pick. Those were their first two picks of the draft. And somehow Matt Corral fell right in their lap. And I think Matt Corral is super talented, but he's not going to start right away. He was not going to start even with Sam Darnold there. 
And the Panthers, no matter how much they come out and say this is an open competition, it's not. Baker Mayfield is a better quarterback at this point in time than Sam Darnold is. Sam Darnold's confidence is absolutely shot. Absolutely shot. And we've said this. This has been one of my examples on the show numerous times. I think Sam Darnold is more talented than Baker Mayfield. But there's nothing that has happened in Sam Darnold's career that makes him a better quarterback. I think that if he realized his potential, he would be a better quarterback than Baker Mayfield. But confidence is shot. I was hoping that when he got traded to Carolina, that it'd be like a Jim Plunkett-esque revival. Went out of a terrible situation. Jim Plunkett was at the New England Patriots. Got traded to the 49ers, then went to the, the Raiders shortly after. And won two Super Bowls with the Raiders. Sam Darnold leaves the Jets, which was a terrible spot and goes to the Panthers with Joe Brady as the office coordinator, Christian McCaffrey, Robbie Anderson, who he's worked with in New York before, DJ Moore, Grant, a terrible offensive line that did get improved with Icky Aquanu getting drafted this year, and a young defense. I'm not saying the defense has is perfect by any means, but it's young. And an offensive line head coach. Like, everything looked like it was going to work out there, and then Joe Brady got fired for not running it enough when they don't have Christian McCaffrey. Now, Chuba Hubbard is there, who is a fine running back in his own right, but nowhere near Christian McCaffrey. I think everybody knows that. But right now, I would find it extremely hard to believe that Baker Mayfield is not going to start for the Carolina Panthers week one. I do not believe Sam Darnold's confidence level is high enough to make him pass Baker Mayfield for, though what he lacks in physical tools and talent, he will he will mentally beat out Sam Darnold in Carolina. And I don't know what the situation is right now. I don't know if Sam Darnold is the starter now. But I know Robbie Anderson <laughs> doesn't really like Baker Mayfield. Just remember a few months ago when they first got linked with Carolina, Robbie Anderson took to Instagram and responded to a post and just said, no. Now he has he has a prior relationship with Sam Darnold, played with him again with the Jets, went to Carolina. He said he was trying to back him up. He has no issues with Baker Mayfield. Who the hell really knows what's going on there? But Baker's going to start. In regards to the Browns, I don't know what the hell is going on with Deshaun Watson. I, By all accounts, given the history of sexual assault allegations in the NFL with like Zeke, Ben Roethlisberger, other, many other options, you have like a few games. And Calvin Ridley, the wide receiver for the Atlanta Falcons, got suspended an entire year for gambling. And with Deshaun Watson having 24 or 26 sexual assault allegations in massage parlors, you would expect with that many, like Ben Roethlisberger and Ezekiel Elliott, Ezekiel Elliott got suspended two games for allegations alone, and just I think it was just one. He got suspended for like two or three games. So by that logic, two three games for one, which is two three games times one, or time to... Um, one allegation, two, three, four allegations. So you got 24. That's 48 games. <laughs> there are 17 games in a regular season. Okay? 17. That's a lot of games that we're going to be missing here. <laughs> like 17, what, times three, 51. So he is missing all like two and a third seasons. Two and three, four seasons or something like that. If the NFL was at all consistent with their suspensions. But we know damn well that they are not. NFL, one thing the NFL has never been is consistent. The NFL is the biggest sports league in the world. 
generates millions, probably upwards to billions of dollars. I have said this before. The NFL is the most uncancelable league in the world. (laughs) No matter what they do, the NFL rules everything in America. Football is number one in America. Like, we're so cool. We're world champions just playing United States teams. <laughs> Even though we had the Bills used to play in Toronto once a year. We have a London game. We have a Mexico City game. We're going to have a Germany game this year. So now you consider it the world because we're winning all these different countries. So Deshaun Watson should be suspended for a long-ass time. But from what I saw like a week ago, they're saying four to six games. Four to six for 24 to 26 sexual assault allegations. Four to six games. Now, I know the position of quarterback is the most valuable position in the NFL and just football in general. And I know Deshaun Watson, given everything on the field, is a top 10 quarterback. So is that what's playing into this? Like Calvin Ridley sat out most of this past season, wanted to get mentally right, sat out some games, and then got suspended. He's not a quarterback. Are we just being nice to Deshaun Watson because he's a quarterback? We traded all these picks for Deshaun Watson, and you're probably, and what you should be seeing this year, is Jacoby Brissett lining up a quarterback for the Cleveland Browns. That's who should be the starter for this entire season. And I don't even know, like, if when Deshaun Watson is playing, I I don't know how good they're going to be. Because on face value, the Browns have upgraded immensely at quarterback. Deshaun Watson is a lot better than Baker Mayfield. The only people that don't say that are people that don't like Deshaun Watson and people that really like Baker Mayfield. From a neutral point of view, Deshaun Watson is a lot better than Baker Mayfield. So when you look at it like that, you would think this team would win 12 games. This roster is good enough to win 12, maybe even 13 games. You have an elite running game. You have an elite offensive line. You have an elite edge rusher. You have a very talented and young secondary, spearheaded by Denzel Ward, who just got paid this offseason. Kevin Stefanski, by all accounts, is a good head coach, like it, or a good coach in general. But these distractions, they might win like nine games this year. I don't think they'll be below five hundred. I refuse to believe like distractions. Regardless, this team's too good to be below five hundred, given all, even with the distractions. But this division is good. This is a solid division. I mean, the Ravens are definitely going to be better than what they were last year. They were crippled with injuries last year, especially in their secondary. Lamar Jackson missing the last four to six weeks of the season did not help anything. So they'll be better. The Bengals just went to the freaking Super Bowl. They should be... I'm not saying they'll go to the Super Bowl again, but they'll be really good again. It'd be insane. They're not the Carolina Panthers. Like, one of my favorite stats in NFL history is that the Carolina Panthers have never had back-to-back winning seasons. Isn't that just weird to think about? Never in their history. They've had... Like, a winning season than a 500 season, they've never had back-to-back winning seasons. And they went 15-1 last the year they went to the Super Bowl and did not have a winning season the year after. Now, I think the Bengals are a good team. 
I think their secondary is iffy, but they did get Daxton Hill in the draft, who I really, really like Daxton Hill. Joe Burrow's still a baller. Jamal, Jamar Chase still a baller. T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd, all these boys. Joe Mixon, ballers. Like, this is a good team. The Bengals are a very, 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 very good team. And I know when the Battle of Ohio happens this year, everybody's going to be pulling for the Brown or pulling for the Bengals. But man, this Browns thing's interesting. Very, very interesting. The Browns, since they have come back to the NFL, they left obviously in Cleveland. They left for Baltimore in 1995, came back in 99. Ever since they've been back, they have been the biggest laughing stock in the NFL. Like this team cannot get out of their own way. In a two-year stretch, this team won one game. They went 0-16 and then 1-15. How does that happen? Because you draft Deshaun Kaiser. <laughs> and you trade back, which we've talked about. We did this on the top five dumbest thing we did when COVID first kicked off. The Browns had a chance to draft Deshaun Watson. They traded back with the Texans to use that bit and just drafted Deshaun Kaiser instead who, by everybody's measurement, was not ready to be an NFL starting quarterback, and he started all 16 games, which I just think is hilarious to think about when people talk about the Browns are purposely losing games. You know how bad you have to be where people think you're losing games on purpose? You're not just – like, you are bad, bad at that point. Bad, bad. <laughs> like, terrible. Oh, man. Uh <laughs> But Baker Mayfield has come out and said that there's a game circled on my calculator, on my calculator, my calendar, and it's going to be that Browns game. Uh, it's going to be a fun one. It's going to be very, very fun. And that's week one. You've got Browns Panthers week one, and Seahawks Broncos week one, which <laughs> Russell Wilson playing against his old team and Drew Locke playing against his old team. It'll be really funny to see Drew Locke lead the, the Seattle Seahawks to a victory over, you know, the boys in Denver. Revenge tour for uh, for the boy Drew Locke. Wrap some GEZ on the sideline as well. Oh, man. Uh, but I'm excited. Football's an exciting time. Football's a very, very exciting time. While I'm on the topic of quarterbacks, I think it'd be kind of fun to do this. Ranking... The top 10 quarterbacks in the NFL. Because I think this is a very, this is something that's been brought up a lot. If you've, followed, if you've been on Twitter recently, it was like the past week, you saw ESPN coming out with all these things. I was basically like, oh, here we go. We got all these top 10 lists as coaches, execs, and all these sorts of things. Like, what are the players? What are the coaches? What do all these different people think about different position groups? And people, you know, will share their opinions about the entire thing. They'll be upset about it. They'll be cool with it. They're like, oh, my quarterback should be ranked higher than this quarterback. But it, I, <laughs> I don't know. It's always fun to see these types of lists. And where did this list go? Where did it go? Because, is this it? Three days ago. Yeah, this one has to be it. So ESPN's top 10 quarterbacks heading into the 2022 season based on its survey of experts reads as follows. Aaron Rodgers, Mahomes, Allen, Brady, Burrow, Stafford, Herbert, Wilson, Watson, Dak. 
I really have no issue with this list. And there's been a lot of quarterback lists, like Chris Sims on NBC Sports, former NFL quarterback, listed Josh Allen's the best quarterback in the NFL. I don't really care if people list Josh Allen's the best quarterback in the NFL. I think he's more than deserving of top spot because I don't think there's a team in the NFL to ask their quarterback to do more than what the Bills do for Josh Allen. Like, if you look at the offensive rankings, like Pro Football Focus, ESPN, all these different things, like the number one offense in the NFL, the number one defense, all these different things. The Bills have consistently been listed as one of the, if not the best overall offense in the NFL. Which is weird to me because when they're going over these positional rankings, like individual positions, quarterback, running back, wide receiver, O-line, tight end, whatever. Other than quarterback, what other position are the Bills top three in? Like individuals. Devin Singletary and James Cook, Zach Moss are not top ten running backs. Apart from Stephon Diggs, like, we got Gabe Davis as a projection who just went off in his last game, scored four touchdowns in the Chiefs in the AFC Divisional round, but he's a projection. Other than Diggs, the Bills have no one in the top 10 receivers. Dawson Knox, is he a top 10 tight end? Based off last year, it'd be hard to argue not, but he'd be at, like, number 10 if he was. He'd range somewhere probably from 10 to 15 in regards to top tight ends of the league. The Bills' O-line is nowhere near top 15 in the NFL. Like, what, where are we, how did the Bills get put as the number one offense when no other players on their offense are top 10 in their position? Not one. I guess you could argue Mitch Morse. Maybe. But other than that, there's no other player on that Bills offense at the top 10 in their position. So how is the Bills offense the number one? It's because of Josh Allen. They have no re. there's really... Again, apart from Diggs and Josh Allen, those are the only two players on an 11-man offense that are ranked top 10 in their position. That's the only one. Only one. (laughs) And I always like to hear the argument that Josh Allen has been carried by these elite group of weapons when no one can name any of the elite weapons the Bills have apart from Diggs. And Diggs was not considered elite until he got to Buffalo. He was the number two wideout in Minnesota behind Adam Thielen. And I'm not saying that Josh made digs, but they needed each other. The only reason the Bills have a top 10 offense is because of Josh Allen. The top number one offense, according to most results, is because of Josh Allen. Josh Allen's the Bills' best rushing rusher by far. Like he breaks what I saw something on where was it? It was like broken tackle rate or something like that. Yeah. Highest missed tackles forced rate. Minimum 100 attempts. This is from Pro Football Focus, a famously anti-Bills website. Uh, Javante Williams, 21, 31%. Josh Allen, 29%. No other quarterback in the NFL is leaping over defenders and that's as big as Josh Allen. No other quarterback has as strong of an arm as Josh Allen. No other quarterback in the NFL is stiff-arming defensive linemen. No other quarterback is the only player running the ball <laughs> in an entire half. When the Bills played the Buccaneers last year, the only person that touched the ball, running the ball, was Josh Allen. He almost died. Probably should have died in that game. No one in the NFL, in regards to quarterbacks, is asked to do more for their team than Josh Allen. But, that being said, I will not be upset if I look at a ranking system and see Rodgers or Mahomes at number one. The top three quarterbacks in the NFL are Mahomes, Rodgers, and Allen. 
Those are the top three in the NFL. And whatever order you want, I think the top five is pretty much set in stone. I've said this since January. In whatever order you really want it, Roger Mahomes, Allen, Brady, Burrow. That is the top five quarterbacks in the NFL. And speaking of Burrow, it always raises an interesting discussion on going back to the 2020 NFL draft, who would you draft first? If you were doing a redraft, would you draft Joe Burrow first or Justin Herbert first? Because where Burrow's ranked fifth, I have Herbert ranked sixth. So it's not, there is nothing really separating them. I just think Joe Burrow's willingness to win puts him above Justin Herbert. And I think his pocket awareness might be the best, if not top three, in the entire NFL. That dude can evade pressure like no other. He just gets hit a shit ton because his O-line is not very good. It's not horrific as it was his rookie year, but it's still not that great. And then number seven, I would say Stafford. It's hard not to say Matthew Stafford. Number eight, Russell Wilson. Number nine, Lamar Jackson. I don't get why Lamar Jackson is getting excluded from these top ten lists. Because like Josh Allen, there's not a lot of players in the NFL that can do what Lamar Jackson does. Lamar Jackson is the most electrifying player on the football field when he is healthy. I don't really give a rat's ass if he's inconsistent throwing the football. He is elite at running the ball. Elite. If you have an elite category, you can be all right at other things. And he's not like it's a he's a bad passer by any stretch of the imagination. He is not a bad passer. Inconsistent? Sure. Receiving core? Sucks. They just tr- somehow got the Cardinals to trade a first-round draft pick for Hollywood Brown. I have no idea how that happened. Inconsistent hands and injury-prone got a first-round draft pick. The Titans got a first-round draft pick for A.J. Brown, who is 10 times receiver Hollywood Brown is. That's the Cardinals for you. And I do think the relationship between Kyler Murray and Marquise Brown, well, it's nice because they played together at Oklahoma when Kyler Murray won the Heisman, and Marquise Brown was a top 25 pick. The only wide receiver taken in the first round that year, even though there was a lot of other good wide receivers taken after him who are better than him. But Lamar's elite. There's no other way around it. He's the second ever unanimous MVP in NFL history. Second ever. There are two of those. In the entire history of the NFL, there is two unanimous MVPs. One is the greatest quarterback of all time. The other one's Lamar Jackson. Like, put some respect on Lamar Jackson's name. The dude's the first ever quarterback to rush for over 1,000 yards. He did it back-to-back seasons. He is easily top 10, and then number 10 can be argued. I'm still putting Deshaun Watson there. And I understand why people don't put Deshaun Watson there. Like, I would rotate between Kyler Murray and Dak Prescott for that last spot, and I would probably lean towards Dak Prescott. Kyler Murray was starting to get very, very annoying towards the latter parts of the season last year. Very, very annoying. So, and even into the offseason with the whole contract dispute thing. But that, I think that's my, that's my top 10. And I really have no issues with ESPN's list, which is weird, but I really have no gripes with it. Rodgers, Mahomes, Allen, you can put them in any order you want. If I was being extremely biased, I'd put Allen, Mahomes, Rodgers. If I was being extremely biased. <laughs> but I, I could do that if I really wanted to. I could make a solid argument for that. I think those three are the top three quarterbacks in the NFL, bar none. I don't really think it's close. And then Brady Burrow, Herbert Stafford, Wilson, Lamar, Deshaun. That's my top ten. And if I had to go to 15, 
and be Dak, Kyler, Derek Carr, Kirk Cousins, and probably Matt Ryan. Probably. I would say Ryan Tannehill, but his last game left a really sour taste in my mouth <laughs> after that Bengals game. Very bad, very bad game. <laughs> so that'd be my top 15 quarterbacks in the NFL. Just again, in case you, you didn't hear the first couple times, you know, the, the bias list. Let's do the bias list. Allen, Mahomes, Rodgers, Brady, Burrow, Herbert, Stafford, Wilson, Lamar, Deshaun, Dak, Kyler, Derek Carr, Kirk Cousins, and uh, Matt Ryan. And my dad actually brought this up to me today. It was, um, they had a little discussion yesterday about who is the worst quarterback that could win, in a, win a Super Bowl this year. And when I say worst, that word has a negative connotation, easily has a negative connotation. When you're saying the worst quarterback, this isn't saying like Geno Smith is going to go out and win a Super Bowl this year or Drew Locke is going to go out and win a Super Bowl this year. Like you could just say the worst overall quarterback. No, but you have to have the worst quarterback that's a realistic shot at winning a Super Bowl this year. And I don't mean this that he is the worst quarterback, but out of the quarterbacks that could win a Super Bowl, I think Derek Carr is the most likely out of the guys outside. I think, again, he's not a bad quarterback by any stretch of the imagination. He's an all right average quarterback. He's a good quarterback. Would I build my team around Derek Carr? No, I would not. But he's a nice quarterback. He can be a good quarterback. Top 13 quarterback, easily. I could see an argument for top 12. But he would probably be that because if you look at the quarterbacks below him, like if we're just talking about the AFC, because we'll go AFC and NFC. So quarterbacks below him, like Tua, Mac Jones, Zach Wilson, um, Kenny Pickett or Mitch Trubisky, Davis Mills, Matt Ryan, Trevor Lawrence, Ryan Tannehill. Like, no quarterback that is worse than Derek Carr is winning a Super Bowl or even coming close to winning a Super Bowl. Like, he's better than all of those quarterbacks we just mentioned for the AFC. So Derek Carr would be that worst quarterback that wins a Super Bowl. Again, negative connotation. And then for the NFC, there I think there's three that I could think of right here because their rosters are nice. And that's Jalen Hurts, Kirk Cousins, and Jameis. And Jameis is a weird one because if you look at his numbers, he's balling. It's a Jameis Winston quiz. <laughs> and he got LASIK. So now he could see. A Jameis Winston that could see scares me a little bit. And he had a little bit of success last year before he tore his ACL. Like, I think he had 13 touchdowns, two picks or something. Like, he was having a very nice year. And I think the Saints roster is nice. You got a lockdown corner, Marshawn Lattimore. You got some good defenders. Cam Jordan's still there. Marcus Davenport had a decent year last year. Demario Davis is still there. Tyron Matthew came over. Marcus May is there now. And then on offense, Michael Thomas should be back. You got Alvin Kamara, who's one of the best backs in the NFL. Jarvis Landry got him in free agency. You drafted Chris Olave 11th overall. You got a solid off to line. Like, a solid. You got a good off to line there. Like, I think Jameis Winston has a realistic shot given all, like, the quote-unquote worst quarterbacks in the NFL. I think Jameis has a realistic shot there. And then going over to Kirk Cousins, the Vikings thing's an interesting thing for me because offensively, I really have no question marks about it. I mean, they're off the line's not very good. But they have the weapons. Like, Dalvin Cook's a beast. Justin Jefferson, beast. Adam Thielen, very good. Irv Smith, very athletic, very talented. C.J. Ham, one of the best fullbacks in the NFL. Off the line, a lot of question marks. Brian O'Neill is very nice, though. Right tackle. Brian O'Neill's. I think he's the highest paid right tackle in the NFL. I could be wrong about that. But he's nice. Everybody else, though, question marks in the O-line. 
The defense, they can't stay healthy. And when they are healthy, their secondary can't stop anything. Now, they did draft Lewis Seen at the end of the first round. They got Andrew Booth in the second round as well. I like both those picks, but I still... This could, it could work out beautifully for them. It could work out perfectly for the Vikings. But when you have Kyle Hamilton sitting right there, who is, by all accounts, the best safety in the draft, why wouldn't you just take him? Now, I do remember some outlets stating that some teams out there had Lewis Cena as the number one safety in the draft. I like Lewis Cena. I am at number two. So I, I'm not really sitting here saying Lewis seems trash or anything because he's definitely not. He won the, he was the defensive defensive player of the game in the national championship. Like the Duke and ball, Duke and ball. Extremely introverted by all accounts, but that doesn't mean you're not a good football player if you're introverted. He just looks like he's introverted. It doesn't look like he talks very much, but he can hit, he can play. The dude's a baller. And yeah, it, it surprises me. And the other thing that surprised me about the Minnesota Vikings draft this last year, and we've talked about this during the draft was that the Vikings traded back with divisional rivals so they could draft a position that could hurt the Vikings' weakest point in their team. Lions traded up and drafted Jamison Williams. The Packers traded up and drafted Christian Watson. Two extremely fast and extremely physical gifts at the wide receiver position. Christian Watson's more of a work in progress than Jamison Williams. Jamison Williams just had a torn ACL. Jamison Williams, without the torn ACL, is the number one receiver in the draft. And I think I still had him as the number one receiver in the draft despite his ACL injury. And he was the fourth receiver taken because of that. But that's that's just weird to me. Interdivision trades in the draft weird me out. Unless you're screwing over another division team. So like an example of that was when the Giants jumped, the uh, the Eagles jumped the Giants, traded with the Cowboys to draft Devontae Smith. So it's like the enemy of my enemy is my friend. So it was who do the Cowboys dislike more? Do they hate the Eagles or do they hate the Giants more? And... But this one, it doesn't really work out like that because your two trades you made were direct, and you didn't even get a lot out of it. You traded back, what was it, 20 spots in the draft? And you got like three picks out of it. And one of them was a, the next pick. So it was really confusing, you know, like the 34th pick or something. Really confusing logic there. But you came out with, I mean, Lewis Seen and Andrew Booth. I don't want to sound like I'm bashing those players because they're very, very good. They're very good players. And you got Patrick Jones from Pitt as well as the defensive line. Uh, you got is Chaz, Chaz Surratt was last year, right? Was he last year? Yeah, he was last year from North Carolina. I don't know, but the Vikings, they have, they have the pieces there. They're lining up. They're switching their defense to a 3-4 defense, which should be interesting. They traditionally run a 4-3 defense, but they got the Zedarius Smith this offseason after he left the Packers, went to the Ravens, and they decided, nah, and then went back to the went to the Vikings. I do think that he would be another one there. If the Vikings could just get out of their own way, like Kevin O'Connell, they brought in as the head coach, has a relationship with Kirk Cousins in Washington. So you would think they have somewhat of a chance if they could just stay out of their own way. And then the Eagles are the last team. I I I like Jalen Hurts. I like Jalen Hurts. I like that no matter what anybody says about him or to him or whatever, he doesn't care. Jalen Hurts can play. And that was a big question mark before he transferred to Oklahoma. Lincoln Riley made him an actual quarterback. At Alabama, he was more of an athlete. At Oklahoma, he became a quarterback. And now he's a starter in the NFL. And I don't think the Eagles, and there's going to be a lot of links with this. Apparently in 2021, they were linked with a trade up to draft Zach Wilson. And we'll get to Zach Wilson in a little bit. But I like Jalen Hurts. 
And they also got the greatest high school quarterback of all time, Reed Sinnott. They got Carson Strong there as well. They got Gardner Minshew. I like the Eagles quarterback room, weirdly. I like Carson Strong a lot. If you listen to the show back before the draft, you know how much I like Carson Strong, even when, during the college football season. I like Carson Strong. Went undrafted because of a knee issue, but the dude can play. If he gets a chance, he can play. Completely different style of quarterback to Jalen Hurts. <laughs> Stronger arm and nowhere is mobile. <laughs> but Miles Sanders, when he's on, he can. he's pretty good when he's on. It's just a matter if he can keep him on. A.J. Brown, big-time trade there. Devontae Smith, nice receiver. Dallas Goddard, one of the best tight ends in the NFL. Really good offensive line. It's the Eagles. They're always going to have a good offensive line. They always replace guys that are going to retire with a year in advance. They got Cam Jurgens in the draft in Nebraska. That Landon Dickerson last year. They got Jordan Maliata, which replaced <laughs> Andre Dillard, who was supposed to play Jason Peters. Lane Johnson should be close to retiring this year, so we may see them draft a lineman in this year's draft. And on defense, aging but still solid. Brandon Graham, Fletcher Cox, Javon Hargrave, Derek Barnett, they drafted a few years ago. Nice players. Kaiser White got him from the Chargers. Nice player. Hassan Reddick, very good player from the Carolina Panthers. Darius Slay, James Bradbury, they stole from the division rival Giants. Like, the Eagles, they're a good team. They're a very solid team. And they made the playoffs last year when I was not really expecting them to make the playoffs last year. And they improved. By all accounts, they improved. And I'm excited to see what Jalen Brown, A.J. Brown does this year. Like, he's like the Jalen Hurts of wide receivers, except, you know, better at his position. But he's just a big-bodied wide receiver. It's very athletic, just big, 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 big dude. But again, if you look at the other teams in the NFL, in the NFC, I mean, Washington, you got Carson Wentz. Giants got Daniel Jones. Bears, Justin Fields. Lions, Jared Goff. Falcons, Marcus Mariota. Panthers, Baker. Uh, Who else would be in that category? And then the Seahawks, Geno Smith and... Drew Locke. And I, I mean, you could technically, I guess, throw in the 49ers with Trey Lance, but I wouldn't put him. I think his potential is better than the quarterbacks we've mentioned. It's just a matter if he can put it all together, which I think he can. We said this last year in the 2021 draft. If Trey Lance could put everything together, he will be the best quarterback from that draft class. He will be. He's too talented. He is the most talented quarterback in the 2021 draft class. If he can put it all together, which I think he can, dude will pull out. And with San Francisco, with Debo Samuel staying there, You've got George Kill, the best uh, top two tight end in the NFL. I won't say 100% best because him and George, him and Travis Kelsey are just two completely different tight ends, but two awesome tight ends. Kyle Juszczyk, the best fullback in the NFL. Elijah Mitchell played very, very well last year. Brandon Ayuk, when he wasn't in <laughs> uh, Shanahan's doghouse, is decent. Trent Williams, the highest paid left tackle in the NFL. Baller. Defense, D-Forge, Von Kinlaw when he's healthy. Eric Armstead, Nick Bosa. Fred Warner, one of the best linebackers in the NFL, not the best linebacker in the NFL. Jimmy Ward at safety. Like, they got some good players. They they could definitely be one of those teams, but I don't really – I feel weird putting Trey Lance in that worst category when he's only played, like, three games. He started one or two. Like, when we're talking about worst quarterbacks, I and, again, that has a negative connotation. I'm not trying to make it sound like they're terrible quarterbacks. They are not. Jalen Hurts, Jameis Winston, Kirk Cousins, and Derek Carr are not terrible quarterbacks by any stretch of the imagination. Now, I had Derek Carr at 13, Kirk Cousins 14. I do not think they're terrible quarterbacks, I think. But if you're looking at the other quarterbacks in the NFL when you're considered, like, the worst, they're, they're the best. And I think Derek Carr has a chance to win one this year. He's just in a really tough division, the toughest division in football. The AFC West. Uh, but he got his college teammate, De- Devontae Adams, back, so that'll be, that'll be fun. That'll be fun. And I said I'd talk about this. <laughs> Because uh, this kind of dominated Twitter for a little bit. 
And I say a little bit. It dominated Twitter for a lot oh, <laughs> a stretch <laughs> for about two to three days. Zach Wilson, dude got that dog in him. <laughs> so if you're unaware of the Zach Wilson situation, let me fill you in on this real quick. So Zach Wilson, his ex-girlfriend, started going out with his college best ex-college best friend. So we have some beef. His ex-college friend is now dating his ex-girlfriend. Craziness. Absolutely. Scenes coming from the BYU Cougars. But man, Cougars is where we are going with. <laughs> Emphasis, not on BYU, but on Cougar. So his ex-girlfriend responded to someone on Instagram trying to blast Zach Wilson, put all his dirty laundry out there, and said he was sleeping with his mom's best friend. He's the real homie hopper. And you know what? I don't think this went anywhere near to what Zach Wilson was expecting if he saw this. Now, he posted on Instagram shortly after this whole event and said, been in Idaho with the court, with like working with receivers, what I miss? Something like that. Poor cell service, whatever. So I don't know if Zach Wilson has actually seen it. I think it's hilarious if he did because there was a, a video of Homelander who's uh, the anti-hero or supervillain, whatever you want to call him, from the boys, like smiling, confused at first, but then smiling. That's what Zach Wilson is. Zach Wilson was not expecting. If he saw this, was not like, oh, man, oh, this is not good. This is not good. <laughs> and then everybody's like, yo, dude got that dog in him. Everybody, I think Zach Wilson gained about 20 times more fans because of that one response from his girl ex-girlfriend than he did before that. There were so many memes circulating <laughs> Zach Wilson. Like, there was one shirt. Um, I gotta find this. Uh, hold on. Throwing bombs and banging mobs. <laughs> With a Jets logo on it. Like, Zach Wilson... I defended, like, during the 2021 NFL draft, we defended him a lot. We defended him and Mac Jones. I think this dude's got more of his teammates behind him right now than what he did before. And even teammate, team players that aren't even on the Jets are tweeting about Zach Wilson. Like, DK Metcalf was tweeting about Zach Wilson. And I think the Jets, this could, unlike the Browns, <laughs> Terrell offseason, this is bringing the Jets together. This is a unifying cause for the New York Jets. You realize your quarterback's got that dog in him. Man, it just makes everything easier. And the Jets, by all accounts, had a pretty decent offseason. Like, pretty decent offseason. Their O-line is, if they can keep Mekhi Becton healthy, their O-line is not bad. It is not that bad. You brought in Lakin Tomlinson this offseason. Like, that was a good get. You got C.J. Uzama in there, pass-catching tight end, who had really nice success with the Bengals. You brought in Garrett Wilson, the number one wide receiver in the draft, behind... Ya boy, Jamison Williams. Brees Hall, best running back in the draft as well. For a coach that will want to establish the run in Robert Sala, defensive-minded head coaches love to establish the run. You're going to need a guy like that. And you got Michael Carter, Tevin Coleman, Ty Johnson. Like, you got a good group of running backs there. And then on defense, Carl Lawson, you're hoping he stays healthy after tearing his Achilles last year. You drafted Sauce Gardner at fourth overall. Like, the Jets had a good offseason. I'm not saying they're going to be challenged for a division or anything. They're going to probably come in last again in the division, but they'll be a solid. They'll be, let's just put it like this. They ain't going to get 
blasted by 50 points by the Patriots this year. Like, the two games they played against the Patriots this year. <laughs> Quick math. Uh, 79 to 19. I don't think they're losing by <laughs> seven. I don't think they're losing by, what is that, 50 points this season to the Patriots in two games. I don't think they're doing that. I do not think they're doing that. Because their offense, I would assume, is going to score more than 6 and 13 points against the Patriots, who by all accounts are worse than what they were last year. And somehow, some way, the friggin' Jets beat the Titans and the Bengals last year. With my, I, I do not understand how that happened at all. <laughs> it confuses the hell out of me to this day. And the Jets are division, quote-unquote division rival to the Bills. I had more fun cheering on the Jets against the Titans than I should have. I was cheering on the the Jets super hard against the Titans. I do not like the Titans at all. So, though I don't like the Jets either, I loathe the Jets more than I do the Titans. So when the Jets were beating the Titans, I was like, oh yeah, let's go Jets. J-E-T-S, Jets, 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 you know? Let's go. Let's go Jets, the New Jersey Jets. But they'll be better. I, I refuse to believe they'll be worse. I don't think they're getting ass-blasted 54-13 to 13 by the Patriots. The freaking Patriots. I don't think that's happening again. I, I Like, they had some close games towards the end of the year. Like, they almost beat the Dolphins. Almost beat the Buccaneers. Like, they've had, they had close games last year. Now, they did get ass-blasted by the Bills. I mean, when you allow nine sacks against the Bills front, that's not very good. The Bills' edge rushers or the Bills' passing rush defense is not the greatest. But they got Von Miller this offseason, so one would expect that to improve immensely this upcoming season. Regardless of if Von Miller goes off or not, I think his presence there will be massive for the young edge rushers there like Greg Rousseau and Boogie Basham and players like that. But, man, that Zach Wilson thing was hilarious. I really enjoyed that Zach Wilson story. It, it, made, me, it made me chuckle. It really made me chuckle. I was sitting there like, oh, my goodness. Oh my goodness gracious! Oh, I I kind of forgot about this. This is I'm not gonna spend a lot of time on this. I saw a post on Instagram: top five quarterbacks of the 2022 season. This is supposedly after Herbert, Allen, Brady, Stafford, Hurts. Okay, <laughs> honorable mentions: Mahomes and Rodgers. Well, I didn't spend much time on it. I was just looking at my camera roll and saw that. But that was a that was an interesting, uh, a very interesting take. But <laughs> switching gears. From NFL, at least I think I've got everything covered in the NFL. I could be wrong. Uh, let's just make sure. There's a lot of stuff we haven't talked about in the NFL, so I want to make sure I've gotten everything covered. Oh, I saw this today. This confused the hell out of me or kind of surprised me. Most expensive offenses in 2022. The Detroit Lions have the most expensive offense in the NFL. Now, before anybody goes all crazy on that, you have to remember Jared Goff's contract, Taylor Decker's contract, and Frank Ragnow's contract. Those three players are <laughs> paid. They got a lot of young players on their team, like Panay Sewell, TJ Hawkinson, DeAndre Swift, uh, Monroe St. Brown, Jameis Williams. Like they'll, They have some young players that aren't paid a lot, but Goff, Decker, and Ragnow, those dudes are paid. So the Lions being the number one offense expensive-wise was weird. The Cowboys, Commanders, Titans, Cardinals round up the top five, and then you got the Chiefs, Patriots, Ravens, Browns, and 49ers crazy uh, that surprised me I kind of forgot about that I was just looking at the man 
But, yeah, let's move on to college football because there's been a lot of craziness going around in college football as well. And not in regards to players. I mean, you got the NIL stuff kicking off. Like, there was one kid that signed an NIL deal for, like, $9.5 million or something like that. I remember what his name was. Here it is. Uh, Jaden Rashada reported getting $9.5 million for NIL deal to play for Miami, making more than Austin Eckler, Saquon Barkley, Nick Chubb, Jamar Chase, Debo Samuel, Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson, Darren Waller, and Will Compton. Craziness. But nine point five for an NIL deal. And I've said this before. People are gonna want to bash these kids for taking the money. No, this is a classic situation of do not hate the player, hate the game. If you got offered nine point five million by Miami, you're an idiot if you don't take that. This is the boosters, this is the donors, this is the, the the university. I could care less if these kids get paid nine point five million. This is the most and highest NIL deal of all time. Jane Rashada. Well, I don't really give a rat's ass if Jordan Addison got paid three-something million to go to USC. It does not bother me at all. And if it bothers you that the players are getting paid that money, that says more about you than the players. That is the university's thing. That is the donors and boosters thing. This has nothing to do with the kids. If they get offered that, take it. You're a high school kid. You get offered $9.5 million to play for a private university with one of the greatest footballing heritages in college football. You bet your ass you're taking that offer. Doesn't matter what anybody says about it. You're taking that offer, and if you don't, you're just stupid. Unless you got this weird conviction with one other university. Like, I grew up an Iowa fan. If I got offered $9.5 million to play for Miami, I'm going to Miami. Like, I get the loyalty thing, but that's a little different. Miami and Iowa are not direct rivals. <laughs> They're not. They never play each other. I remember the last time Iowa and Miami even played. Now, it would have been for the national championship, but they didn't lose to Iowa State in 2001. But you know what? That's beside the point. They end up losing the USC and the Orange Bowl and all that stuff. They would have lost to, they would have lost to Miami because they lost to USC, so all that stuff. But speaking of USC, they're going to be playing Iowa a lot because uh, a few weeks ago, out of bleeping nowhere... USC and UCLA announced that they're joining the Big Ten in 2024. Where the hell did that come from? Where where did USC and USC, UCLA joining the Big Ten come from? I did not hear an inkling of this prior to it being announced. Like at 1231 on June 30th, USC and UCLA plan to move to the Big Ten in early in 2024. What? <laughs> and then Twitter was awesome that day. Twitter was awesome. He started seeing pictures of Illinois lining up with <laughs> nine offensive linemen. You saw pictures of snow games in Michigan. Like, there was so many things. And this ain't no Pac-12 where you're going to play in these no sta- no nowhere near close to capacity stadiums. Like, Big Time Boomer, or Big Game Boomer on Twitter, his stuff is, or her, I guess I don't know, is a little weird. It's kind of random, but... Top 25 best night game atmospheres in college football. You want to know how many Pac-12 schools are in this list of top 25? One. That is Utah. There's one singular Pac-12 team on this list, and that is Utah. For Big Ten schools, you got Penn State at 2, Iowa 4, Michigan 10, Ohio State 13, Nebraska 15, Wisconsin 16, Michigan State 19. That is one, two, three, four, five, six, seven teams in the top 25. In the top 20, there are seven teams. 
And I know the schools in Utah, like BYU and Utah, they know how to pack out a game for a night game. But you ain't going to Cal. You ain't going to Stanford. You ain't going to Washington State. You're going to Big Ten country. And that plane ride from L.A. to New Brunswick, New Jersey, is crazy to me. I don't know how... Well, I know why it happened. The Big Ten's trying to get bigger profit margins. You get a B, not an M there. And you get two of the biggest programs of college football and just college sports in general, USC and UCLA. Like, that's crazy to me. I never thought this would happen in a million years, USC and UCLA. I thought a team that would join the Big Ten was Notre Dame. Not UCLA or USC. They don't strike me as Big Ten conference teams. Like, Notre Dame was and is considered a Big Ten school. They're just pride is getting in the way of them joining the conference. Like, they only joined the ACC a few years ago because they weren't going to be allowed to do anything if they didn't. And right now, speaking of Notre Dame, they hold all the power. They can just single-handedly destroy the ACC or jo- and by joining the Big Ten, or they can join the ACC. But the ACC cannot compete, <laughs> and the ACC is going to be defunct in a couple years if they do not get Notre Dame. Notre Dame holds all the power, and Notre Dame being the weird cousin that they are, probably just going to say, you know, we're going to stay independent. Good Lord, a Big Ten getting UC, USC and UCLA. I am not mentally prepared. This has been a couple weeks since it's been announced. I'm not mentally prepared for November night game USC versus Iowa. I'm not ready to watch USC go to Evanston, Illinois to play Northwestern. I'm not ready to watch UCLA play, play Rutgers. And I saw some stuff. It was like uh, USC and UCLA have winning records against the Big Ten in bowl games or whatever. That's warm weather games. You ain't playing in Big Ten weather conditions. Now, USC is supposed to be a lot better this year with Lincoln Riley coming in. They got Jordan Addison. They got Caleb Williams. They got Travis Dye. Like, they got all these really good players coming in the USC. Andrew Voorhees at guard. Like, they got a good team. And there might be a learning curve. This season and the next year, expect them to be really good. But when they join the Big Ten, it, it's going to be fun. It's going to be very, very fun. And I'm all for it. And I saw another thing. It was basically something like the like the favorites to join the SEC and Cincinnati was on this list. I was like, what, wait, 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 isn't Cincinnati supposed to be joining the Big 12? Like we got Cincinnati, UCF, BYU, and Houston. Joining the Big 12, apparently. I don't know when uh, Texas and US, Texas and Oklahoma joined the Big 12, uh, the SEC. Like, I don't know. The conference realignment in college football is crazy. So it kind of sparked a huge thing on Twitter, people making up their own conferences. And it's been kind of funny to see all these different conferences. Like, there's been serious ones. There's been some funny ones. Like, there was one I saw on Twitter. It was like Pod 1, Purdue, Illinois, Syracuse, and Stanford. That's the PISS conference. Uh, pod 2, NC State, Hawaii, Idaho, and Tennessee. That's the shit conference. We're talking about logos here. So don't think I said NC State and go, oh, well, it starts with an N. No, we're using the F. Pod 4, we got Fordham. FCS school, but we'll move them up. Arizona, Rutgers, Temple, and Michigan State. That's farts. 
It's like we got all these weird conferences that I would all I'd be I'd I'd be cool with. I'd be very much cool with. I'd be for it. <laughs> and there's other ones that are more a little more serious. We had the Big Ten with uh, Stanford joining the Big Ten. So we had a conference consisting. Uh, here's the new Big Ten. Rutgers, Maryland, Penn State, Ohio State, Michigan, Michigan State, Notre Dame, Purdue, Indiana, Northwestern, Illinois, Wisconsin, Minnesota, Iowa, Nebraska, Stanford, USC, and UCLA. It was an 18-team conference. Now we got the ACC, which I find weird, this one, because of their, the, the, the name, Atlantic Coast Conference. Okay, I just wanted to stick that in. So the first Atlantic Coast Conference, Washington State, <laughs> Oregon State, Cal, Fresno State, San Diego State. You got the opposite coast. They're going to have to change the name of the conference if they join this ACC. And then you got, like, the usuals that are still there, like Boston College, Syracuse, Pitt, Virginia, Virginia Tech, Louisville, Wake Forest, Duke, NC State, Coastal Carolina, Georgia Tech, USF, and FAU, which is Florida Atlantic. The Big 12 is Washington, Oregon, BYU, Utah, Arizona, Arizona State, Colorado, Texas Tech, TCU, Baylor, Houston, Oklahoma State, Kansas, Kansas State, Iowa State, Cincinnati, West Virginia, and UCF. That's called the widespread conference. That's just every corner of the country. We got Midwest, we got the East Coast, we got the West Coast, we got the Sun Belt. Like we got all these different areas. And the SEC, the only regional <laughs> correct conference, uh, which I would be a fan of this conference. This would be a pretty fun conference. Texas, Texas A&M, Oklahoma, Missouri, Arkansas, LSU, Mississippi State, Ole Miss, Vanderbilt, Kentucky, Tennessee, Alabama, Auburn, Florida State, Georgia, Clemson, South Carolina, North Carolina, Florida, and Miami. I would love to see a world where Florida State, Florida, and Miami are all in the same conference. I know Miami and Florida State are, but Florida in there as well, very nice. I think that'd be a fun conference. I do think that'd be a very fun conference. And it's not it's going to be subject to change. And we got a new college football game coming out. Like, the new college football game is going to be out of date before it even gets played. And the conferences are apparently getting realigned in 2024. 2023's game is going to be out of date like that. <laughs> and when I would play with Colorado, we've talked about like, my Colorado sim on the show a few times. Like, I would move Colorado around the world because we just kept winning the conferences. Like, we rotate between the Big 12, Pac-12, and the Big 10. Like, we just kept winning. We were independent for a little bit because we kept winning every game. So, it just got frustrating. It just got frustrating, but conference realignment's fun. I'm, I'm gonna. It's it's weird because the college football. Let's just put it like this: the college football that you know and love is done. Like the one you grew up with, it's done. That college football no longer exists. Rightly or wrongly, that college football no longer exists, and it might as well just get over it now. It ain't coming back. Money rules sports, and it's more apparent now than it has ever been in the history of sports ever. Like you look at some of the just on a different sport, but look at the transfer fees in Europe for soccer players. Two hundred million. You're getting a hundred mil for some average players. Ronaldo left Manchester United for Real Madrid when he was the best player in the world for eighty million. Eighty mil. That can get you a like are you Darwin Nunes, who had one good season at Benfica. That's less than what Liverpool played for Darwin Nunes, paid for Darwin Nunes. That is crazy. That's the standard that we've got now in fees. Kylian Mbappe signed a mega deal with PSG, and now it's the one like the he can make it like decisions with PSG or something like that. 
like regards to who the coaches are, who they could sell. Like it's ridiculous. And college football is the same way right now. Like nine point five mil for a high school kid. Nine point five <laughs> doesn't even get you Austin Eckler, who's one of the better running backs in the NFL. Doesn't even get you Trevor Lawrence. It's crazy. Absolutely crazy. But here's a a thing I saw. It was top ten college football quarterbacks in college football. And I I have some some beef with this. This is pro football focus. Uh, it was listed, when did I screenshot this? The 15th. So it was posted on the 13th of July. So here's the list. Uh, it is Bryce Young, Caleb Williams, who I have no issue being one and two. No issue. And then we get weird. We got Spencer Rattler, CJ Stroud, Sam Hartman, Grace McCall, Brennan Armstrong, Dylan Gabriel, Keaton Slovis, and Tyler Van Dyke. One. Spencer Rattler hadn't been a top three QB in college football in over two years. So I don't know what the hell he's doing at three after a year he just got benched by the guy who's at two and is playing at South Carolina, which still confuses me. I understand why. I guess the other, there was like a coach there or something that was at Oklahoma that's there now. I think Beamer was at Oklahoma. Now he's at South Carolina. Stroud's number two or three. There's no reason Stroud should be outside the top three. Like the top three quarterbacks in the NFL, the top three quarterbacks in the college in college football should read Bryce Young, Caleb Williams, CJ Stroud, whatever order you want. Should. And then Sam Hartman, I like Sam Hartman. Devin Leary from NC State. If we're throwing Sam Hartman in here, I think he's got to be mentioned in there as well. Um, I I do like Sam Hartman. I don't want to make sound like I'm bashing Sam Hartman. Grace McCall. Yeah. I guess I could see Grayson McCall being listed in the top 10. I like Grayson McCall a lot, so I'm not too upset with him being mentioned in there. Brennan Armstrong, I don't know if I do or not list him in the top 10. I don't know if I do. Uh, Dylan Gabriel, I think Dylan Gabriel could have a very good year at Oklahoma. He transferred originally to US, UCLA because Dorian Thompson Robinson didn't know if he was coming back or not. So it was like, oh, we don't know what's going to happen. Then he decommitted and then went to Oklahoma, which was the smart move there. Keaton Slovis, no. Keaton Slovis is not a top 10 quarterback right now. Keaton Slovis hasn't been a top 10 quarterback in a year. Like, his freshman year, he balled out, ripped his shoulder apart, and has not been the same since. Just watch their Drake London's dra- pre-draft highlights. If Keaton Slovis is top 10, he shouldn't be making throws where Drake London's got to bend his body in all different directions to try and just make a simple catch. That's not what we should be doing. Keem Slow is not top 10 quarterback. And Tyler Van Dyke, yes, I can understand Tyler Van Dyke being a top 10 quarterback. But like quarterbacks I would mention that have not been mentioned in that top 10 list, I think Malik Cunningham deserves a shout. I'm not saying Malik Cunningham is a top 10 quarterback in college football. But I think Malik Cunningham could be a dark horse Heisman candidate this year. I really do at Louisville. I really do think he could be a dark horse Heisman candidate. We already brought up Devin Leary. Uh, keep scrolling a little bit. I'm on ES. I'm just looking at the conference team. I'm on ESPN, just scrolling through the conferences right now, trying to think of a quarterback I can that wasn't mentioned. Um, no one in the Big Ten. <laughs> Definitely no one in the Big Ten. Independence, no. Uh, Jaron Hall from BYU. I think he could get a shout-out in there. I don't know if I'd put him in the top 10, but he could get a shout-out there. Keep scrolling again. Mountain West. Oh, Jack Jake Hayner from Fresno State. I think Jake Hayner has more of a spot in this list than Keen Slovis does. Uh, Jake Hayner's a pretty good quarterback. 
very big stats guy at, at Fresno State. Um, anybody in the Pac-12 really? Tanner McKee, maybe, from Stanford. Dorian Thompson-Robinson, I think he should be mentioned in there as well. It's Cam Rising from Utah, I think, should be mentioned in there. Cameron Ward from Washington State. He hasn't played any FBS-level football yet, but I think he should be in the mentions up there. K.J. Jefferson from Arkansas. I totally forgot to put him in my pre-draft thing in regards to the others. K.J. Jefferson, my friend Ryan from high school, a big-time Arkansas Razorbacks fan. So shout-out Ryan. He's always my he's my Arkansas expert here. And we talk Arkansas football quite a bit. Big Traylon Burks guy we talked about him last year. I'm going to talk to him about Jalen Catalan this year for the draft. K.J. Je- Jefferson is massive. Big old dude. Strong arm, inconsistent, strong arm, but big dude that can run people over. I think he should be in a little bit of a mention in there as well. Anthony Richardson from Florida, potential-wise, I think he should be in the top 10. Uh, Will Levis from Kentucky, I think should be mentioned in the top 10. I think you can make a case for Will Rogers, too, from Mississippi State. Maybe not top 10, but just talk about Will Rogers a little bit. Uh, Jackson Dart, I'm just kind of listing quarterbacks now. He's at Ole Miss right now. Hendon Hooker, I think Hendon Hooker's a top 10 quarterback in college football. Now, I would like to preface this. There is a difference between top 10 quarterbacks in college football and draftable quarterbacks. There is a big difference in that. Like Tim Tebow was the best quarterback in college football, but he was nowhere near the best quarterback in the NFL draft. He was drafted in 2008. So, yeah, there's a big difference in that regard too. But, yeah, I I would not list. So, I agree with Young, Williams, Stroud, and Van Dyke, I think. Like, 100% like agree with. And I'm not saying Van Dyke needs to be any higher than 10th, but I think Van Dyke deserves a spot in the top 10. Rattler, I could... he might. I think he could put a spot in the top 10, but he'd be close to 9. I wouldn't put him at number 3 at all. What has Spencer Rattler done, apart from getting benched against Texas two years in a row, deserving of a number 3 spot? Talent-wise, I'd put him up there easily. I think he might be the most talented quarterback in college football. Might be. But... As regards to what he's done, there's nothing to put him in the number three quarterback, especially above C.J. Stroud. Like, what the hell is that doing there? Uh, Hartman, I could see an argument for Sam Hartman being up there as well. Grace McCall, I could see that. Brent, like, all these quarterbacks, I could see being in the top ten, but I don't necessarily agree. Like, the NFL one, I agreed with most of it. Like, even the order. I had no real issue with the order. I have no real issue, apart from Keen Slovis being in the top ten, I have no real issue with anybody being listed here. It's just the order. Like, Rattler's not top three. Hartman, I don't think, is top five, at least right now. I think Hartman's really good, but top five's a little bit of a stretch. If I had to go through and list my top ten, quarter, top five quarterbacks in college football, there's a lot more quarterbacks to pick from in college football than in the NFL. Young is number one. I, I've been pretty high on – if you've listened to the show long enough, we've been pretty high on, on Bryce Young since, since he was in high school. C.J. Stroud's number two. Uh, Caleb Williams is three. Um, I think those are locks. I don't really think there's any debating the top three right there. Um, then I had to go at number four. Crap. This is a lot harder when you weren't mentally prepared to make this list. <laughs> um, did I mention Phil Yurkovic before from Boston College? I think he should be mentioned up there as well. I really think Hendon Hooker should be mentioned up there. I like Hendon Hooker a lot. I think he should be mentioned in the top five college quarterbacks. This is hard. 
Spencer Petras. <laughs> there we go. Done. Done and dusted. There's my top five quarterbacks in college football. I think Petras kind of just goes on his own category, being number one by himself. But I I guess I could see Rattler being top five. The more and more I looked at it, the more and more I'm like, oh, I could actually kind of see that. <laughs> I don't know if I like that. I, I have no issue with Spencer Rattler. I know Iowa State fans really don't like him. But, um, yeah, and the, this is the – uh okay yeah I guess well, I guess this we can kind of force this to work together. <laughs> the last thing I want to talk about today is um this little thing that I've seen on social media. It's quarter it's new receivers on receivers on new teams hyping up their new quarterbacks. I completely forgot to talk about this in the NFL, so we're gonna try and make this work the best I can. Tyreek Hill saying that Tua is anything better than Patrick Mahomes. I don't care if it's accuracy. I don't care if he's got the better number. I don't care if he's better left-handed. I don't care what it is. There is nothing really that anything Tua does that is better than Patrick Mahomes. Nothing. I could even make a solid argument Tua throws, Patrick Mahomes throws better left-handed than Tua does. He has a stronger arm. Like Tyreek Hill, one of the best receivers in the NFL. I don't think there's a receiver in the NFL that can mimic what Tyreek Hill does. He's the most electrifying wide receiver in the NFL. By far. It's not even close. But come on, man. I know you're trying to hype up your new quarterback. It's part of the job. You got you can't go to a new organization and say the quarterback you just got done playing with is better than the current one. But even Tua knows that. Like, Devontae Adams hyping up Derek Carr saying he's comparable to Aaron Rodgers is ridiculous, but he's a friend. Like, they played together in college. So you have that past relationship. And Devontae Adams is not going to go to the Raiders and go, yeah, Aaron Rodgers, he's the best. Like, I I wish I was still there. Like, Tyreek Hill is probably thinking that. I wish I was playing with Patrick Mahomes. But then there's also a thing of, I saw a, an interview he did. I think he's got a little bit of a, I want more credit or something like that. So maybe he doesn't want to play with Patrick Mahomes. So, I don't know. I do think that there was... I, there's, there was another quote that I saw. The 2019 Chiefs equal to the 2022 Dolphins. Tyreek Hill said, I see the exact same team in regards to the weapons of the 2019 Chiefs versus the 2022 Dolphins. And we're just talking weapons-wise, okay? I don't know if this is out at, an outrageous of a statement as it seemed originally. I don't think it's as outrageous. I'm not saying it's it's correct, but I don't think it's crazy outrageous. Like... Quarterback-wise, yes, Mahomes. Tight end, Kelsey. Got Tyreek Hill. I might take Jalen Waddle. Neither team had running backs. So, I'm weapons-wise, I don't think it's like, Gusecki's a good tight end. Jalen Waddle's a very good wide receiver. Neither team has a running game. So, weapons-wise, I, I don't think it's correct that he says they're the same, but I, I don't think it's, it's outrageous. I could see a lot worse takes. Until he's, if he says Mahomes is worse than Tua, like overall, then we'll have some problems here. I'm all about hyping up your new quarterback, but let's pump the brakes here a little bit. Let's pump the brakes on, yeah, this dude's really good. Yeah, he's solid. Tua's a solid quarterback. He ain't Patrick Mahomes. He ain't nowhere close to Patrick Mahomes. He'll never be Patrick Mahomes. There are throws Patrick Mahomes can do that Tua can't even think of. And I have no real issue with Tua. 
But I do think the Dolphins would be a whole hell of a lot better if they had Justin Herbert. I do think that. <laughs> I saw something on Twitter the other day. I was like, man, the Dolphins will regret that pick. Yeah, they will. Like the Jets regretting passing on Marino, and Ken O'Brien wasn't even that terrible of a quarterback with the Jets. I believe he led the league in passer rating one year in the NFL. Like, Ken O'Brien was not terrible, but he ain't Dan Marino. Tua's not terrible. He ain't Justin Herbert or anywhere close to Justin Herbert. Like, Herbert's the sixth best quarterback in the NFL, in my opinion. Tua's in the 20s. Late teens, if that. And we're talking late teens like 19. Nowhere higher than that. Like, I could think of, like, we did this with Baker last year. So we're going to do this again. Quarterbacks that are better than Tua. In no order. This is, Well, it's an order because we're gonna, we're on ESPN's thing. We're going to go AFC East, North, Southwest, NFC East, North, Southwest. Go through each team. So Josh Allen's better than Tua. Yes. Guaranteed. And I'm only going to do guarantees. You can make arguments for some, like Mac Jones. You could make an argument for him being better than Tua. You could. I don't know if he is or not. I know Devontae Adams, Devontae Smith, and Jalen Waddle both said they liked <laughs> Mac Jones. But, uh... You know what? Yeah, Mac Jones. I think Mac Jones is better than Tua. Lamar, Joe Burrow, Deshaun, uh, Mitch. No, I'll give Tua right now. Um, Davis Mills. No, I do like Davis Mills. I do like Davis Mills. Matt Ryan, Trevor Lawrence. Right now, is he better than Tua? Potential wise, definitely. But right now, I don't know. Ryan Tannehill, Russell Wilson, Mahomes, Derek Carr, Justin Herbert. So we're at eleven. Dak Prescott, Jalen Hurts. Is Carson Wentz better than uh, than Tua? I would say so. Carson Wentz, Justin Fields, not right now. Jared Goff, yes, Jared Goff, 15. Rodgers, Kirk Cousins, Mariota, no. Baker, Jameis, Tom Brady, that's 20. Murray, Stafford, so that's 22 quarterbacks I would take above Tua. And I, I know I was stretching on a couple. I'm like, the Commanders, the Patriots, the Lions. I know there's somewhat of a stretch. But even then, there's 19 better quarterbacks than Tua. So then even he doesn't even reach the my teens thing. His range is somewhere between 20 and 24. Mahomes' range is 1 to 3. They're not comparable. Again, I understand what Tyreek Hill is trying to do. I get it. It is part of the job description. But come on. Some things are just better left unsaid. I don't... I, they, the Dolphins could be good this year. They could be good this year. They could be even better if they kept their alternate uniforms the entire time. But right now, there's nothing that Tua does that's better than Mahomes. I don't care accuracy, whatever. I do not care. I'm not here for it. And then while we're on the topic of asinine takes, or crazy takes, uh, Connor Mortal. I don't know who the hell this dude is. Um, or no, not Connor Mortal. Uh, Gambling Guachos. On Twitter, Connor Mortal quote tweeted this and responded to this thing. Every Big 12 school's best running back of all time. Okay? So I, ho- I hope you all are ready for this because there are some controversial takes here. So Baylor, Walter Abercrombie, Oklahoma State, Barry Sanders. Okay, Barry Sanders might be the greatest college running back of all time. Might, is probably the greatest running back of all time in general. Iowa State, Brees Hall. You're going to have some Iowa State to fight, to have divide there. Troy Davis, 2,000-yard rusher on a way worse team. Brees Hall, 
overall, like as an all-around player, is better than Troy Davis. Yes. But the team he played with, 2,000-yard back-to-back, 2,000-yard seasons, all that stuff. Texas, Earl Campbell. Yep, perfectly fine with that. Kansas, Gale Sayers. Yep, perfectly fine with that. TCU. No, skip TCU for now. Kansas, Darren Sproles. Kansas State, Darren Sproles. Yeah, Darren Sproles, crazy to think about it. He might be a borderline Hall of Famer. Might be. Reaching. Texas Tech, Brian Hart, Hansbard. Don't know who that is. Oklahoma, Adrian Peterson. And West Virginia, Steve Slayton. I think you could throw Noel Devine in there as well. But TCU had Zach Evans. Okay. I... I, I, So Zach Evans just transferred from TCU. Zach Evans never had more than 650 yards in a season at TCU. He's at Ole Miss now. His career best year was 648 yards with five touchdowns. I don't know if you all are like refreshed on the the history of TC Texas Christian football. But um yeah, um there's someone better. There's someone a little bit better. And the dude of the audacity to defend his take. I don't remember what exactly he said. I was so taken back on it. Ladanian Tomlinson played for TCU. <laughs> Ladanian Tomlinson, for 20-something years, held the record for most rushing yards in a single game. Okay? <laughs> 406 yards in one game. Just to put that in perspective, Zach Evans' first year at TCU, he had 415 total rushing yards. <laughs> LT had it one game <laughs> and stood from uh, when was this game 1999 to 2014 15 years and Zach Evans is who is still in college who was transferred from TCU LaDainian Tomlinson who had more yards in one game almost more yards in one game than Zach Evans had his entire first year at TCU an LT who had almost, he was 26 yards away from back-to-back 2,000-yard seasons. He had back-to-back rushing seasons of 20 and 22 rushing touchdowns. In 1999, rushed for 1,974 yards, averaged 6.5 yards a carry. Zach Evans averaged 7 yards a carry in 2021 with only 648 yards. Every year... Apart from his freshman year, where he was playing fullback, Ladanian Thomas had rushed for 538 yards and six touchdowns. But he also put up 109 receiving yards, which is uh, 21 yards less than Zach Evans' career high in receiving yards. That was his freshman year on 11 receptions as well. Zach Evans had 10 receptions. There is no world, at least a world I don't want to live on, where LaDainian Tomlinson is worse than a guy that has never rushed for more than 650 yards in his career. What the hell are you smoking? And I understand it could be like one of those let's get noticed type things. You see all these lists all the time. But there's some, like you could have done that with any other, play, any other school. 
Like, or you could put Thurman Thomas for Oklahoma State. Kendall Hunter. <laughs> Not Kendall Hunter, but Thurman Thomas. You could put freaking um, Ricky Williams for Texas. You could put freaking who is number seven for Oklahoma. Play for the Cowboys. What the hell was his name? It was Offensive Player of the Year. What the hell was his name? I can't remember his name to save my life. Play for the Eagles for a little bit. You can put anybody. <laughs> and you chose to choose Zach Evans, TCU. What the hell? Now, I'm a little more heated about this because, as you may know, LaDainian Tomlinson is my favorite player of all time. This is ridiculous. There is a take to get things, get you noticed, and then there's just being stupid. You could not defend saying Zach Evans over LaDainian Tomlinson. You can't name me. <laughs> so, how many teams are in the Big 12 right now? How many teams are in the Big 12? I think there's 10. Hold on. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10. Yeah. You can't name me 10 running backs at any level that are better than Danian Tomlinson. Let alone Zach Evans. Danian Tomlinson, to me, is a top five running back of all time. Zach Evans is not in the top five greatest Big 12 running backs of all time. He's not even the top five, top, top five running backs of the Big 12 in the past three years. He's nowhere close to that. Like, the greatest running backs of all time, to me, are Barry Sanders, Walter Payton, Jim Brown, Emmett Smith, just because he ran for a shit ton of yards, and LaDainian Tomlinson. Those are the top five running backs in NFL history, according to yours truly. LaDainian Tomlinson is the greatest running back of my lifetime. A 21st century LaDainian Tomlinson is the best. I know I hear arguments for Adrian Peterson. Adrian Peterson, great runner. That is all he did. Adrian Peterson couldn't pass block like LaDainian Tomlinson could. He couldn't catch the ball like LaDainian Tomlinson could. He fumbled more than LaDainian Tomlinson. They almost brought him to Minnesota because Adrian Peterson kept fumbling away his career, the start of his career. He can't throw the ball. LaDainian Tomlinson has multiple passing touchdowns in his career. Like, the Adrian Peterson is over LaDainian Tomlinson thing is because people didn't watch LaDainian Tomlinson because the Chargers were never on in the state of Iowa. LaDainian Tomlinson has an NFL record for 31 touchdowns in the season, 28 rushing touchdowns. For, like, people want to talk about unbreakable records. Just for comparison, Jonathan Taylor, this past season, had 18 touchdowns. That is, <laughs> that is 10 less touchdowns than LaDainian Tomlinson had in one year. Rushing touchdowns. Still need three more to get to 31. Derrick Henry rushed for 2,027 yards in 2020. Had 11 less touchdowns. Derrick Henry <laughs> puts up all these insane, insane, insane yards and nowhere close to the touchdown record. You can feed rushing yards to people. You can't feed touchdowns to people. You got to have a nose for the end zone. LaDainian Tomlinson found the end zone. 20 touchdowns one season. That ain't getting touched. Like people will talk about, again, people will talk about unbreakable records. That record did not get touched. And there's no way in hell Zach Evans is better than Lady Tomlinson in any matter, any any category ever. It's not even close. So get out of here with that bullshit. <laughs> it's not even. It, it, it's offensive to the great Ladanian Tomlinson, who probably wouldn't even think twice about it. He'd probably say Zach Evans is a great player. 
Ladainian Tomlinson wouldn't get all upset about it. I know there's a lot of players out there that'd be very pissed off that someone said a guy who's never rushed for over 650 yards his entire career is better than a top five running back in NFL history who held the record for most rushing yards in the game for 15 years in college football. And Zach Evans doesn't even play for TCU. He played two years at TCU. Ladainian <laughs> Tomlinson played four. So again, even if we're just talking about TCU careers, it ain't close. It ain't, it ain't freaking close. Oh, my God. Is that all I've got for you today? I think that's all i got for you today. Let me go. Oh, the Texans are rocking red helmets this year. The Bengals are rocking white helmets. That'll be fun. Hopefully the Bills rock their red helmets at some point this year. Chargers rock the navy blue helmets. Old school navy blue. LaDainian Tomlinson navy blue helmets. They got navy blue uniforms now. Might as well rock the navy blue helmets. Um, Anything else? Is there anything that I am forgetting about? Chase Claypool saying he's a top three wide receiver in the NFL. Maybe top three receiver on your own team. But not what am I am I I just want to make sure I got everything covered. We were gone for almost for more than two months. I gotta make sure I got everything covered that I could possibly get covered. Oh, rank I saw this. NBC Sports. How would you rank the three the best QBs of the two thousands? How would you sort them? Brett Favre, Todd McNabb, and Kurt Warner. I'm not why why is McNabb there? I have nothing but respect for Donovan McNabb. He's a fun quarterback when he played in Philly, but why the hell is he on there with Kurt Warner and Brett Favre? It goes Favre, Warner, <laughs> McNabb. He's, it's not even close. Um, this was some. I guess this is one last thing. What's the easiest position to play in football? And it was a bunch of people tweeting their things about it. Someone said wide receiver because you can make the moves and others react. Punter, Ray Guy was an exception. O-line, it really only matters by your size. Fullback, they're like halfbacks but nearly never used. Running back, just have to be shifty or strong. The ball is literally handed to you. D-tackle, all I had to do was hit MS all day long. Kicker, no playbook, no contact, and they really don't have any practice one thing. I don't, I'd really say DN for skill position. Literally haul ass for QB and maybe check a running back. There's no position, period, all positions you have to work hard to become the best at. Yes, that is true. The hardest, the easiest position to me in the NFL, in, in football, is wide receiver. So, I think anybody can play wide receiver. A high level, different, but I know wide receivers are extremely important. Having a number one wide receiver is important. But if we're talking about the grand scheme of the and football, corner and run or safety, uh, wide receiver is the easiest. Running back, you're getting hit all the time. That it's got tread. You can't say it's an easy position when the life of running back is extremely short. Kicking, I have kicked. I was our backup kicker in high school, so kicking's hard. Kicking's very hard. Punting is hard, too. So I'm not doing that. O-line, get out of here. O-line, behind quarterbacks, the next most important position on the football field. Fullback, you're blocking, pass catching, running. Like, fullback's not an easy position either. D-line, you're getting hit by 300-pound dudes. I don't. I wouldn't say that's easy at all. Edge rusher, that's another extremely important position. I think the three most important positions on the football field are cornerback, left tackle, quarterback, left tackle, and D-end. Or just edge rusher. I think those are the three most important positions in football. But wide receiver and defensive back, I think I would say, are the easiest. Especially, like, safety. And I think, which is weird for me to say, because I think the greatest defensive back in my lifetime is Ed Reed, and he played safety. So, yeah. I think that's all I've got for you. I really think that's all I've got for you. So, yeah. It's good to be back. It is good to be back. And I wanted to make sure I got everything I wanted to touch on. So, yeah. It's nice. It's fun. It's fun to be back. I haven't done this in a very long time, almost two, over two months. We got Phil Steele's magazine. We got some stuff coming up for you on Wednesday and Friday. It should be a lot of fun. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If not, 
Again, I, I can only apologize. I can only apologize for you not enjoying it, but I hope you did as always. I have been Logan Blackman, host of the Logan Blackman Show. We are back, baby. Make sure you're following Logan Blackman Show on all forms of social media, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, and Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Again, hope you enjoyed the show. I will see you all later. Peace.